Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Talking about Indianapolis, AFC South, Stampede Blue, let's air it out. Fly route, let's air it out. Topics, loaded like offense, cold centric, talking about it often. Stampede Blue, let's air it out. Fly route, let's air it out. Do it big, like lines for an offense. Welcome back to another Stampede Blue Colts cast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Danley. Thank you guys for coming back to the show tonight. We're going to have uh, some call ins from fans if anybody's not watching. Monday Night Football and the New England Patriots stomp the New York Jets. Uh, we're here for you. We're here for you. We're going to take some calls after this. Uh, but the big news, obviously, is the Indianapolis Colts back-to-back huge wins uh, sandwiched in there is the bye week. And uh, with me on the line is my friend Chris Blystone. Chris, what's up, brother? Not a lot. How's it going, Matt? Good, man. You know, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people pissed at me because I was not happy. Or, you know, it, it's it's the thing that I constantly do um, and just overanalyze bye weeks, especially with the Colts. And I've always seen the Colts come out and never look up to snuff. Not necessarily are they not winning the games following the bye week, but they just come out kind of lethargic, it seems like, in the first half. This did not happen. On Sunday, the Colts came out and really put it down, and I couldn't be—I couldn't have been a more proud, or b more excited to see the way that the Colts handled their business Sunday with the uh, with the Texans coming to town. Yeah, I mean, it's really been a very different team with Frank Reich as the head coach. They are not the slow start team anymore, and I think that maybe we kind of got that that vibe that that was going to be the way it was because the first five games of last year, there were a lot of injuries. And so we did start slow and everything was, you know, it was kind of the slow grind and you had a lot of young players and you got a lot of hurt guys. Uh, and then we kind of found our, our way. And I, maybe there was that same kind of vibe that we were going to have that kind of season. And the Texans looked like a team who could put it to us pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And you come out, you come out slow, like you said, out of that bye week And what, what's this team going to look like? Yeah. And, and man, they just came out looking good. Jacoby looked great moving the ball. Um, I don't know that I've seen him look more confident in the pocket. He was getting a ton of pressure. He got hit eight times, uh, six by J.J. Watt. Yeah. And he's only sacked once, and he just moved so well uh, in the pocket, evaded pressure, got you know got rid of the ball, and he just looked very calm, did not look rattled, and moved the ball down the field. And yeah, props to them for, for like you said, not starting slow, but coming out against an opponent they needed to and looking like the team that was in control. Absolutely. Obviously, the big story, Jacoby Brissett, 26 of 39 for 326 and four tutties. Those are all uh, – well, I'm sorry, the yardage and the touchdowns are career highs. Uh, 
Also, Marlon Mack in the running game never really got up to snuff. The Colts found another way to win this game. We've heard that a thousand times already since the end of that game. You know, Colts found another way to win. Well, that's super important because when it comes down to it, you and I and anybody else really last week or two weeks ago against the Chiefs, we were talking about how Mack and this running game are super important to the success of this team. Well, guess what? Jacoby Brissett just put himself in the conversation for being super important for the success of this team. Uh, another big story, Zach Paschal, six receptions, 106 yards, and two touchdowns. Almost threw a touchdown, but that was a terrible pass. Uh, that's the only thing he did that wasn't good the, uh, the other day. And, and I just, you know, nice to see Darius Leonard come back with double-digit total tackles. Nice to see a couple interceptions, a couple turnovers. Nice to see some real power. Nice to see Eberflus dialing up some linebackers in this in the in these blitzes. I was really enjoying this game, Chris, and there wasn't a whole lot aside from the running game and the offensive line. Uh, certain times, just kind of not being on the same page. Uh, I saw Mac miss a couple lanes where I thought he could pop outside, and he chose to cut in. Kind of something the opposite. You see a guy. Um, you know, in spite of Mac's actual stature, you just see him as kind of the scat back type of guy. You don't really see him as a power back. However, he will cut it down inside, and he's not scared to initiate contact. But the thing is, is you know, when you have the speed and that explosiveness uh, with a guy like Marlon Mack, man, you want to see him use it. And if he cut outside, he had some real lanes. So I, I think that overall, this was one of the best games the Colts have played all year by far. Yeah, and what's crazy to me is that you look at the results and you think of the Texans and you think of T.Y. Hilton, of course, if you're a Colts fan. Mm -hmm. And probably if you're – I mean, well, you think of it if you're a Texans fan too, but it's in your nightmares. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you look at this game, it's, what, six catches for 74 yards and a touchdown, mm -hmm. and that somehow looks like not a dominant game because that's just how good he's been against this Texans team. And the ball was spread around well. And, you know, you, you had effective plays being made by a bunch of different receivers. Chester Rogers had a really nice sideline catch that may or may not have actually been a catch. Uh, Eric Ebron finally got started and the second time in a in the season that he's hurdled a guy and looked ridiculous doing it. And I hope he keeps doing it because it looks fantastic mm -hmm. um, and had maybe the catch of the year in the end zone and, and kind of had his. Uh, you know, be definitely his best game of the season. It looked like maybe he was going to kind of get out of his funk a little bit. And you just, yeah, you got good production from from all these different places. And it just is exactly the kind of game that you need to have to show that, hey, we're not a one-dimensional team when Marlon Mack can't get it going and the offensive line can't get the holes uh, necessarily that we want to dominate uh, on the ground. That's okay. We'll switch it up and we'll let Jacoby win. And that's the kind of team that you need to be uh, to win playoff football. So that's that's exciting to see that happen, especially against a division rivalry in a game that was obviously really important. Absolutely. And I think if there's another negative, and look, the, the Colts were so good the other day. So, I mean, it's not like I'm focusing on the negative, but I think it's realistic that we need to talk about it a little bit. Uh, in the second half, obviously, you have drives after their, they have two touchdown drives uh, immediately in the first or in the second half. And then you go punt on three plays, punt on three plays, punt on four plays, punt on three plays. And, and that's basically how they finish the game. I mean, that's just not okay. You know that, and that not only that—that's not how Frank Reich wants this offense to be going. This isn't uh, the way he's designing it. And you know, if the defense doesn't step up there, we talked about this a little bit earlier. You've got the defense stepping up on that fumble inside the 20-yard line where they hold the uh, uh, the Texans to a field goal. Uh, another one where if, I don't think it was actually the same drive. You know, they end up getting 
Justin Houston gets the sack on Deshaun Watson with the in the grasp call being uh, being utilized. Those are huge. The defense really, you know, kind of deserves a lot more credit, I think, than what we're going to give them, even though the game was only a one score game. Yeah, and that's actually something that's a little bit concerning. And Frank Reich's been excellent, and it's pretty hard to find places to criticize him. But maybe that's the one place that you can is that he doesn't play great from the lead. Mm-hmm. And his his game plan just sort of seems like it falls apart a little bit once they get a lead. They don't keep following their normal plan. And so, like, uh, they've had a lot of close games. They haven't really kind of put the pedal to the metal. They're playing; they get a little playing a little bit more conservative. They want to run the ball. Obviously, all those things make sense. Uh, you want to run the ball. You want to let your your defense get after uh, the opposing offense, and you want to control the the clock. But obviously, in this game specifically, you have a team that is. I mean, basically, they're playing with scout team cornerbacks because they started with. Uh, a, I think a rookie, I believe Philip Gaines was the guy who was going to be starting opposite of Jonathan Joseph. And they, they already had a bunch of guys banged up and then they lost guys through the course of the game and they're opting to run the ball. And I understand that you obviously that's, that's conventional wisdom, but you know, to some degree you look at, at what was going on in that game and you think you ought to be able to attack, you know, at least reasonable passes. You're you're probably playing some of these guys in soft coverage mm-hmm. and you have an opportunity to move the ball through the air. And yeah, that's not ideal because if you have guys drop it, that can kill a drive. But guess what? Um, if you run out of bounds, if you um, you know get stopped for another, that, that stops it just the same. I mean, and they, they just didn't do great at grinding out the game when the run was not working. And you got to find other ways to still keep moving the sticks, even if the run is not working. I don't think that you just continue to just slam into a brick wall, which is pretty much what they did for most of the fourth quarter. And yeah, you got to find more than that. Obviously I think that they probably will. They're not going to be facing a defense in that exact setup. JJ Watt, I think really played kind of out of his mind, even though he wasn't completely disruptive uh, in terms of a statistics standpoint, he was a big factor. The defense was even in it at why the game, why the team was even in that at all. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and that's and that's kind of what I'm getting at, I suppose. You've got you know the the 12 play touchdown drive to begin the game for the Colts. Eight play where they turn it over on downs, but you know that's Frank Reich on his side of the 50 yard line. He's still going to go for that, and and it didn't pay off this time. That was at least on the broadcast. They said that was the only time the Colts on fourth down hadn't converted up to that point seven of eight on the season yeah that's absurd insane. i mean that's a, that's insane i mean if there's an analytics guy that's going to dispute that f- going for fourth down pays off i want them to look at the colts uh no i hated i hated the call by the way exactly. i love that he went for it or I, yeah. I don't even know that i loved it but i was g- great with him go- with him going for it for sure. i did not like the out run against the texans defense but... it doesn't work it doesn't work yeah and, yeah. That, and that's the thing we talked about this with the running call uh, I was looking at football outsiders and wrote something about the running game and how the Colts need some of this big play, this explosion from the running game and how explosive it is and how they're on pace, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's the one area that they really suck is outside the left tackle, you know, out off the left end. They're awful. And that's just – I don't know why they continue to do it. Not only that, but you do it when you're on a fourth down opportunity. Well, then you go after the, uh, that, you you know, the Colts fumble, they, they force a field goal, they luck out. Then they come back, get a touchdown on, on a nine-play drive. Basically, the half's over after another field goal. And then you start how you finished in the second half. You Those two touchdown drives of eight and 12 plays, respectively. And then it's just like, you know, why why are we Mac up the middle, uh, incomplete, 
incomplete. You know, then it's, you know, just after that, it's all runs, it seems like. And it's just, man, that just can't be the way the Colts go when they have the lead. They have to be that team that steps on the team's neck. And, you know, in all fairness, you know, Deshaun Watson was not having a bad game. Uh, A touchy and and two interceptions. He did get sacked three times by the Colts, which was nice. The Colts never really did too bad against the run, I didn't feel like. I mean, they're, they're, they're long for the day was a 19-yard run by Deshaun himself. You know, their longest running back uh, run was 11 yards from Duke Johnson. So there there wasn't a lot of, you know, big plays. The Colts didn't allow some big explosive runs from that. But they kind of held the rest, aside from Stills and, and Hopkins, the rest of those guys were were kept in check. And, and you like to see that. Um, not only that, but the Colts got some explosive plays uh, themselves through the passing game, which they hadn't been doing much lately. I think they had... Uh, six over 20 yards and had another uh, a couple that were right, right at 19 yards. So, I mean, they had an opportunity for eight total 20-plus yard passing plays. And that's just, you know, that's just something that's been missing, which is nice, but it's kind of like, man, the running game fell apart. I just wish that it would have been by choice. Yeah, and... They just they really miss they really miss Devin Funches. Yeah, they miss that. And and honestly, they miss Eric Ebron uh, being a little bit more consistent. Absolutely. Although he wasn't although he wasn't really doing that, uh, you know, in between the 20s last year, even. Right. But they miss they miss that big guy who can go over the middle and catch a contested ball. It can't be Jack Doyle every time. And they, they just they need and, and they miss somebody like Paris Campbell who can blaze across. Now, he wasn't having a huge impact. Uh, statistically, but when you have to account for speed like that. And so if you, even if you just sent Paris Campbell onto the field and said, Hey, you know what? We're going to have you run burners all day. All you're going to do is you're going to come on the field. And I just want you to get downfield as fast as you can go. Um, that has an impact on what you can throw underneath, especially if you're late in the game and you're wanting to play conservative and you want to run the clock, you can, you can run those little, uh, you know, crossing routes and little, you know, shots to the, you know, the flatter little curls or whatever, when you've got somebody who's drawing coverage deep, you have that opportunity. Uh, without those guys in the game, you don't really have those weapons. And I think it's going to be interesting to see when both of those guys are back, if that gives you some more versatility in the passing game, because I think it it's definitely going to make a difference. Obviously, right now you have uh, Deion Kane standing on one side of the field, running downfield and doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he was in for 32 snaps or 30, 32 or 37 snaps. Um, in this game and did not have a target. And so you're basically got a blank on one side of the field in terms of receiving. And that obviously isn't ideal. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I'm not, here's the thing. When Funches comes back, he's, he's not going to have a larger role. He's going to have a very specific role. That's what he's here for is to be the guy in the way that Frank Reich wants to use him. Uh, The Dion Kane situation is baffling me. And you know, I'm, I'm pretty certain that I've convinced myself already today to go and look back at tonight, you know, the all 22 tonight and, and kind of look at Deion Kane. Why is he being ignored? What is up with, you know, why isn't he being targeted? Um, is it that Pascal just happens to have that chemistry with, uh, with Brissett outside of T.Y. Hilton? Those two are kind of just the guys. And then you've got the two tight ends. I mean, is it a thing where Brissett doesn't want to spread it too thin because he knows where his money's made. You know, is it something like that? Or is it just simply that Deion Kane isn't worth a damn as a route runner right now? You know, I don't I don't know what it is, but I feel like they're still putting him in there. They're putting him. I mean, if he's getting that many snaps, he's not being ignored in terms by the coaches. 
he's getting the snaps this year. I think he's almost at 200, if not a little over 200 snaps on the season. That's not being ignored uh, for a guy, especially as a uh, number four receiver, you know, four or five, whatever he is. Uh, I, I just want to see why Jacoby isn't looking at him. Is it is he bypassing him? Like I said, does he know where his bread is buttered? Is he just looking at the guys that he knows are going to be um, productive right now? I, it, it's hard to tell, but I would much rather that be the case than, you know, to hear or to assume maybe that Jacoby just, you know, well, I just don't think, I just don't trust Kane. But it's that he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to bypass the other guys when they're the ones who are being productive. I kind of wonder a little bit with Kane, and I haven't watched the All-22 carefully enough or watch him specifically enough to know this for certain, but um, one of the suspicions I have is that Jacoby does tend to be very conservative with the ball. He doesn't want to make mistakes, and I've watched him. He tends to throw to the guys that are pretty open. He likes the – I mean, Frank Reich schemes a lot of guys pretty wide open, so that's okay, but I wonder if – Kane is not getting the kind of separation because of the types of routes that he's being asked to run. Maybe he's not getting a ton of separation and Jacoby is not maybe comfortable with him. I mean, he, he'll throw the ball to T.Y. In, in a contested situation. He'll throw the ball to Eric Ebron in a contested situation. Uh, he, he's shown the willingness to throw to some of those guys. I just wonder if he doesn't have the comfort level. Even Zach Pascal, he, he'll throw to a little bit that way. But I wonder if there's some hesitation to, to pull the trigger on some of these routes where uh, where he's got to get the ball to Deion Kane in a in a tight situation, and we know that NFL open and college open aren't the same. And Jacoby doesn't want to throw a pick; he wants to be careful. This is an area where maybe Andrew Luck had an advantage because he's a little bit more of a gunslinger, and he's going to pull the trigger if it's if he thinks it's kind of there, he's going for it. And Jacoby is maybe a little bit more. Uh, I'm not sure whether it's him not trusting himself, him not trusting Deion Kane, or just somewhere in the middle there that he just doesn't pull the trigger in time. I wonder if that's part of it. Maybe he's not seeing him, but I almost just wonder if it's more a he's man. I don't know that I trust him to get open enough um, in order to, to make a play on the ball, and he's just not not making those throws. Because if you look at the types of throws that have even come Deion Kane's way all season long, he's getting comeback routes. That's the only throw yes. I think I've seen him him catch. That's I don't think right. I've seen him be, be targeted for anything else. So when he's making, when he's running these fly routes or, or posts or seams or whatever he's running, he's not getting looks. And, and so I wonder if it's a little bit, it could be that he's not getting the separation or it could be that he's just not getting the separation that Jacoby's comfortable with. Yeah, I think that makes sense for sure. Uh, folks, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back with more with Chris, and then we're going to start taking some calls. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas – 
problems that come from those ideas and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, guys, I want to talk to you about TickPick. TickPick is a great way to get tickets to see the Colts or any other sports, music, or entertainment event of your choice. Not only will you save 10 to 15% off every ticket order, you can do it without any annoying fees at checkout. Think StubHub, but without the fees. Just head to TickPick.com, select your seats, and head to checkout. Get on your way to the next Colts game with TickPick. All right, folks, we are back. Remember, if you guys are using TickPick, which you should, I honestly, I've used it for uh, concerts this summer. I've used it for games. I use it for all kinds of stuff, and I'm, that is absolutely no joke. It is the easiest uh, and best way that I, it's the only way that I do tickets. I took all those other ticket apps off my phone. I'm not even joking. And uh, it make sure you guys are using Stampede as the promo code. Super easy, $10 off anything over $100. Uh, make sure you guys are using that. Support us because they support us. Help us out a bunch. Uh, Chris, let's talk real quick before we get into some calls. Let's talk about the remainder of the Colts schedule. Uh, Broncos this uh, coming Sunday uh, flex down to the one o'clock game. Can't blame them considering the Broncos are involved. Then we got the Steelers the following week. Uh, we got the Dolphins, the Jaguars. That's the next four. But let's look even a little deeper. Then you go, obviously, you've got a match. You've got to get the second uh, set of division games. You've got Texans, Titans. Then you got Bucks, Saints, Panthers, and Jags. Does anybody on this on the rest of this Colts schedule scare you? Not really, no. Uh, I, I think the Colts can beat any one of those teams. I'm not concerned that they couldn't win. I, the Saints game would be it will be a tough one, and it depends very much on how healthy everyone on both sides is going into that game. Uh, I think the Colts absolutely have the personnel to hang with the Saints, but that would be if Drew Brees is back and healthy, and uh, those are big ifs, uh, that would be the best quarterback that they'll face all season long. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean – Patrick Mahomes was hobbled, so I, I don't quite count that. I mean, he obviously is very, very talented, but he was he was not 100% himself. And so, you know, if if Drew Brees is back and healthy, which he may be or maybe not, you know, at that point, that would be with the toughest matchup against a quarterback that they'd face all season long and a more balanced team across the board than the Chiefs were uh, and or the Texans because they're, they've got a talented defense. They've got a talented running game. This is maybe the most balanced team maybe in the NFL if their quarterback is healthy. Mm-hmm. So that's a tough game, but it's also not a game where I just feel like we're totally out of it. We we couldn't possibly have a shot. Uh, honestly, with this team healthy, I think with Frank Reich, you know, making making game plan, putting that all together, there's not a team on that schedule that, that really makes me nervous. And I think that the Colts could very likely not lose a game until the next time that they see the Texans, which obviously put them in a real good spot in the division. And then who knows what happens from there? Absolutely. And and if we're being honest, looking at the, the next four weeks with Broncos, Steelers, Dolphins, Jags, the Colts don't really play a starting quarterback in the next month. I mean, 
look, Joe Flacco was, yes, he's got a Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. But he looked like just dirt the other night. I mean, awful. The, the, the Broncos looked completely awful. Um, the Steelers, uh, what's his name? Duck something. I don't know. I can't remember what his name is. Their quarterback. Devlin, Devlin Hodges, there I think. You, there it is. Um, and then whoever the Dolphins are going to throw out there. And then you've got Minshew Mania uh, with the Jaguars. Now, I, I like Gardner Minshew. Uh, in fact, I wrote pretty you know, glowing of him for a guy that I thought was in the bottom – um, bottom five or six quarterbacks of the draft in terms of you know the, the ten that are the top ten or twelve or whatever that I did for our for our draft guide, but there are definitely the signs that he could play. You know, I mean, and I think that he's played pretty damn good. He's managing the game for the Jaguars in a rookie year as what a six round pick. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You, you, you really, yeah, you can't more. ask for better than that. You really can't. No, they, they. I mean, they've got to be very pleased with what they're getting out of him for sure. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I mean, he. But that's the thing. He does. He scare you? No, he doesn't scare you. Um, but if they, you know, continue to m- progress things in the right way and and continue to develop him and their offense, the rest of the guys around him, the offensive line, the the, the receivers in the running game, if they have a good game altogether, they're pretty dangerous. Uh, with that said. I agree with you, you know, and I'm glad that I was wrong about the Texans being the team uh, from this past weekend that would probably beat the Colts. Uh, the Texans look like the next formidable team. Uh, the Bucks, I, I'm not, I don't think anybody's scared of them, um, but they have the opportunity if everybody's playing, you know, uh, their defense can be can get live. They've proved that. Um, and you know, if you get a good game out, out of their offense, then, then they're, they're going to be a team that can beat you. But uh, is it likely? I don't think so. I think the saints and depending on the Panthers, uh, what kind of game they bring, those are the two games, uh, after the Texans that, you know, I wouldn't say scare me, but would give me pause and will make me think hard and long about what kind of uh, prediction I'm going to have for that game. But the rest of it, look, the Titans are always going to beat the team that the Colts should have beaten that got beat or that beat them earlier in the year. And they proved that this past week. Uh, they, they, This is just not a team that the Colts should ever be concerned about until they beat them, honestly. Uh, the Jaguars are up and down. The Texans are up and down. The, the Colts play tough against any of their division rivals. The Colts have to make the best out of their NFC uh, opponents this year. And I think that when you see that the rest of their games, uh, the last two games against the NFC South, they're going to have to put – the best foot forward against the Saints and Panthers, and and I would even say the Bucks for that matter. Um, but this th- man, I'm telling you, th- this is really setting up to be a uh, an opportunity to have a really big season. And honestly, if the Colts can win their next four, the Texans are going to have a hard time keeping up with them. Yeah, they've got a lot of tougher schedule than the Colts have ahead of them. And the other thing is they're not as deep as this Colts team is. So they they got really banged up. And I don't know what their outlook is going to be like over the next couple of weeks uh, with some of the injuries that are that are going on. I mean, they traded for Gary and Conley today yeah, uh, from that. the Raiders uh, because they're, they have nobody in their secondary. And it, this was a desperation trade because they don't have anybody there. They need people just because Bradley Roby had a significant hamstring injury and Jonathan Joseph tried to play and he had a hamstring injury and I don't know if that was re-aggravated in the game but then they lost you know you know Philip Gaines was it Philip Gaines or was it uh one of the one of the guys Lonnie Johnson or Philip Gaines looked like they had maybe a broken ankle in the game a real nasty angle if you looked at it uh he was down on the field late in the fourth quarter Mm -hmm. and you've got 
to Sean Gibson that's gone. I mean, they're going to face some quarterbacks. They're going to take advantage of that, and they're going to have a really hard time. This that was what was so important about this game is is if if whoever got ahead, I mean, the Colts had an easier schedule, and the Texans have a tougher one. It's going to be really difficult for them to stay in this game, and and they've got. Let's be honest; they don't always play great against divisional teams, right? And they drop another divisional game, and they're really like two games back, and it really becomes difficult for them um, to see any way to catch the Colts. I mean, yeah. I, I I have a hard time seeing it if they can't really like get healed quick. Absolutely, and as you mentioned, you know, they're the the teams that they're facing are going to try and take advantage of that banged up secondary. Well, you know what that does? That forces Deshaun Watson probably at least a lot of the time. In those situations, when they're down, what's he got to do? He's got to throw to get the team back in the game, and the team is. And he doesn't have Kenny Stills, or uh, not. I'm sorry, uh, Will Fuller. Right, and they're going to have to protect. Now that offensive line has kept him pretty clean lately. Uh, Three sacks against the Colts, but they hadn't. He hadn't been sacked for two weeks before that. And that's the thing. They're going to have to put up more attempts. That means he's going to take more hits, and that's not really good. He might have some big games. He may end up winning some games for him, but that's going to take a toll on him in the end. So I'm really yeah. enjoying the way that the Colts look right now. Not only that, but it seems like every time this year, there's always those two or three or four lingering games in the back end of the schedule. They're like, man, that those could be rough. Those could completely take them out of playoff contention. But this year, I mean, outside of maybe the Saints and Panthers, I think, uh, on the back end of the schedule, the Colts look, I, I'd say, favorable to to have a, a a solid playoff berth and not just a wild card either. Yeah, I mean, it seems a little crazy to think about it, and it's it's way too early to be talking about it as a reality. But, I mean, sure. the Colts have a schedule that's favorable enough that they could be looking at, I mean, a bye is not out of the question. I know that seems silly uh, to even be talking about it right now, but think about who else is out there in the AFC. So you got the Patriots, and at the rate they're going, the schedule they have, I can't see any way they don't have a buy. That right. just honestly, I just don't see any way around it. Their schedule, they I think have one of the weakest schedules in in the league. So that seems like a foregone conclusion. But then you're talking about the Ravens. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm. I mean, yeah, they're a, they're a very talented team, and they have they're very well coached. But I'm not, you know, completely sold that they're just going to steamroll through their competition and 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 so. They would probably be the the next team that I would be looking at as as a potential, but with the Chiefs, I mean they're a deeply flawed team. Their defense is terrible, and they've lost Patrick Mahomes for who knows how at least two or three weeks. And I'm not sure that they're going to be able to go out every week and get wins like they were able to do uh, with him sidelined. I just I don't know that I think that's going to happen. So those are the teams that probably present the biggest obstacle to the Colts getting in that spot. And then the Texans. I mean, the Texans probably of those teams would be the team I would have thought maybe is is the biggest contender for that next spot. And if the Colts, you know, do what they need to do and take care of their own business, they're they're right in the driver's seat there, and that's absolutely in the realm of possibility. Now, could they? absolutely lay an egg against somebody like the the Panthers and and get beat by the Saints and and lose drop a divisional game to Jacksonville or or you know Houston they're not going to lose to Tennessee come on we're not going to make a joke about that but <laughs> but but I mean like they 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 very conceivably could do that and and you know end up with a a worse record than they ought to have but yeah I mean I think that's in the realm of possibility and that wouldn't be possible 
if this team weren't playing such balanced and versatile football. And Frank Reich gets credit for doing that. And obviously, you know, Chris Ballard for building them a team that can involve their rookies and get such good production out of their rookie and second and third year players, because that's what they've gotten this season. Yep, I agree. And I mean, well, I guess I disagree on all points. No point in me uh, just reiterating everything you just said. So uh, (laughs) that would be really boring for me to just spend another two minutes on agreeing with everything you just said. Uh, Side note. With the Chiefs, something that really interests me right now. Matt Moore is their starter, and you know who their backup is? Ooh, who? Shermer's son. So really, yeah. So when we did the the draft uh, the draft guide, I talked really highly about Shermer, and I'm telling you, he's a good quarterback. So I'm going to say this here instead of putting it on Twitter and making a to do about it. Aside from him having like the hands of a of a seven year old child, <laughs> he has. I'm telling you, he's good. I hope that he gets to play so that I can at least say that somebody heard me say that Shermer was a good quarterback. And I like I don't want like more to get hurt. I just want him to play like crap so that Shermer has to come in and play. And then we can see what Shermer has. He's a damn good quarterback, man. He's going to be good. Um, like I said, but every time you hit him, he's going to fumble. I mean, that's just one of, that's, <laughs> uh, literally he's got like the hands of a Barbie doll. I don't know how to. How else to play that or say that? But it just uh, just just for fun. But uh, all right, guys, uh, we're gonna uh, Chris and I are gonna start taking some calls here on the Colts cast. Um, not sure how many we're gonna get tonight, but we're gonna start doing this a little more often. Uh, try to make this one of the shows throughout the week. Kind of get your guys' feedback on not only the Colts' most recent game, uh, but what they got coming up, the season at large, uh, whether it be the coach, you know, just whoever, whatever you guys want to talk about, whatever questions you have. Uh, we'll go through that from now on. Don't expect a lot of calls, honestly, tonight, just because it's something we haven't done in about a year. Uh, but I'd like to start doing it every week. So uh, Chris and I are going to get on to some calls, and then we're going to talk to you guys uh, at least one more time this week uh, on the Colts cast here before uh, their game against, the Colts game against the Broncos. Uh, what do you guys got coming up on Stampede Radio this week, Chris? Yeah, we've got our uh, winners and losers. Well, it's I, our our midweek show that ends up being sometimes winners and losers, sometimes a bunch of nonsense. Uh, <laughs> it's hard telling uh, what that midweek show ends up looking like, but I have a feeling uh, that that it's going to be uh, an entertaining one because we we are going to have to listen to Shepard talk about his bold predictions hit, oh. and it's just I'm sure he's going to be unbearable. So, uh, <laughs> so you got that to look forward to. Uh, and then we have our, our game preview show drops on Friday and, and you know, short plug that I continue guilting people uh, every episode, but get out and uh, get yourself uh, signed up for the Stampede Blue podcast contest because we're, we're giving away a T.Y. Hilton jersey and all you have to do, it, you know, is follow everybody from the show on Twitter and it's it's pinned to the top of the Stampede Blue podcast's Twitter feed. You can see all the instructions on how to sign up for that. There's not that many people signed up right now. So let me just tell you, you have a really good shot at winning that T.Y. Hilton jersey. And you should want it because the Colts are going to play the Texans again. And he only got 70 yards or 74 yards or whatever. And he was bragging about how if they cover him like that again, he's going to destroy them. And so I think you want that Hilton jersey before they go down to Tennessee or down to, well, have it for Tennessee too, but go, you know, before they go down to Houston, um, get, get yourself a chance to win that jersey. And uh, it's easy money, man. You got to go take advantage of it. Yeah, it'd be good to have that jersey before they go down to T.Y. Hilton Stadium. 
in Houston. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Uh, folks, we're going to have just a quick outro uh, after this. Uh, but uh, thank you guys all. Make sure, like I said, if you guys use TickPick, make sure you're using the promo code Stampede for $10 off anything over $100. Uh, Chris, thanks for jumping on the show with me tonight. And uh, everybody, we'll talk to you guys next time uh, after the phone calls we'll have here for the last part of the show. But thanks, Chris, for joining us. And uh, Colts fans, we'll talk to you next time right here on the Colts cast. All right, our first caller is Mark. Mark, what's going on? You're on the Colts cast. Hey, Matt. Hey, Chris. Uh, good to talk to you guys tonight. I think recently I've been <laughs> sort of labeled as a luck basher, and it's kind of understandable. I just um, I, I think it's really important for us to kind of take, keep in perspective what we're getting out of Brissett. I think it's a nice change for us to have uh, mistake-free football. Obviously, that's not 100% mistake-free. You know, there are always going to be those types of issues. But to be able to say from our QB position that we're going to get 300 yards, we can get, you know, four TDs, you not have a boneheaded interception in there somewhere, I think is really, really important. Um, I love what we're seeing from our coaching staff. And right now we're seeing Adam Case get murdered on Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just we we can we can have so much confidence in the fact that we're not going to see a just complete hack job from Frank Reich, Nick Sirianni, and and Eberflus. We're really going to have quality coaching when we see the New England Patriots in the AFC Championship, and we're not going to see Brissett getting flustered like Darnold is. Now, the main issue that I've seen with Darnold tonight is he's getting his O-line's getting overloaded with, you know, six-man rushes, seven-man rushes. He's freaking out about that. And we've seen Brissett have that issue um, here in these first uh, five, six games or so. But I really think that Frank is going to coach that out of him by the time we get to the AFC Championship. He's going to understand where his hot rods are, where his um, safety valves are. But we can really have confidence that we have a poised, comp, poised leading QB in that spot combined with excellent coaching. And I think that combination is lethal in this league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I think Colts fans just in general are pretty excited not only to have Brissett showing kind of what he showed uh, this past weekend with, you know, a, a, a well over a 300-yard game. And, and, in fact, it was his, his career career high, both in touchdowns and passing yardage. So, I mean, you, you, you combine, combine that with uh, everything that Reich brings to the table. And, Chris, I mean, look, I think you agree with this when we look at everything that the Colts have right now. This is about as uh, is about as confident as you could possibly be in, in a Colts team right now, not only with their leader and their head coach, but with their quarterback as well now. Absolutely, and the thing that's great is Frank Reich doesn't ever put this team, or doesn't seem to, I mean, I, I mean you're going to have some variation, obviously, but he rarely puts this team in a bad spot. Um, he knows how to get this, this team ready to play and to play to their strengths, and he knows how to use them against the opponent's week that they're going to be facing that week's weaknesses. And we saw that this week that, obviously, Jacoby had an opportunity to take advantage of a weak secondary. And, you know, he, he didn't have an easy day of it. There's lots of pressure in his face. And he was, he was up to the task. He moved really well in the pocket. He saw his receivers. And credit to him for playing a great game uh, and playing an efficient game. I do think you have to be careful uh, down the stretch. And he showed he can he can do this in this game. But you have to be careful not to be uh, too afraid to take those shots. I think there's a happy medium in there. And he showed he could do that in this game. We need to see him continue to do that. And I think that if he can continue to play like he played on Sunday, the, 
then Colts fans should be really excited. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, Mark, for the call. Hey, Chris, you're on the Colts cast. What's going on? Hey, Matt. Thanks Thanks uh, for answer, taking my call. Uh, first, I wanted to, to say that, you know, I've been listening to you um, for several years now. I think back to 2015. And, uh, you know, I was really sad to hear that you were taking a step away from the show and all that. Um, but I'm really glad that you're back. I think you've done so much for the, the Colts community. I appreciate and, that. And uh, I used to really look forward to, to listening to you on my commutes in the morning. I appreciate that. Thanks for calling in, though. I mean, now you're part of it yourself. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Chris, too. I've been listening to him since the summer, uh, since he started up the Stampede Radio, and I think he's doing a great job, too. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad we're at least uh, entertaining, if not accurate with many things. But that's you know, our aim is to hit somewhere in the middle. Absolutely. I really appreciate you guys. Um, but, yeah, I think the Colts are doing wonderful this season. Um, it's definitely a, a surprise. And, you know, after several um, weeks having been able to digest Andrew Luck leaving, um, it's just a wonderful surprise. And t- to be honest, at the time, you know, uh, finding out that Andrew Luck retired during that Bears game, um, it was seriously like a little piece of me died inside. Uh, <laughs> I was I was going nuts, just pacing around my house like, is this true? What is going on? <laughs> it was a... It was a hard, hard time. It was. It was hard to believe, actually. You know, when I saw it, I was like, come on, this is not right. This is not real. But it is definitely real. And it, it, I think one of the things that makes it so surreal, I guess, right now, is that we know Luck's gone. And I, I'll be honest with you, uh, I don't feel right now any less confident with Jacoby Brissett under center than I did with Andrew Luck. Now, I'm not trying to say Andrew Luck or I'm sorry, that Joe Kobe Brissett is Andrew Luck or that he necessarily has that kind of skill set. But I, you know, as being a, 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 as far as I can say, a pretty well-known critic of, of Jacoby Brissett and his, uh, his ability to develop right now, you know, I'm, I'm as happy as anybody to watch and see his play right now. Chris? There's a part of me that is a little bit annoyed with Andrew still, even though I know obviously it's completely – uh, you got to do what's right for you, and it's certainly you don't owe people who are just watching a sport anything, and he's given up a ton for Colts fans. So I don't really actually begrudge him anything, but there's a part of me that just thinks, man, how good could this team have been if Andrew Luck was under center uh, at the, playing the quarterback position? And you know, but but like you said, Matt, they don't ever look like they're they haven't looked like they're out of a game, like they were uh, overmatched or or anything like that. Frank Reich has done an excellent job getting this team all bought in. They don't n- none of them believe that they're out of any game and some of their biggest hurdles so far have been dealing with injuries i mean they've they dealt with stupid things that they've done to themselves and and then just being hurt mm-hmm. and if this team can get healthy at the right time man they're a dangerous team and and i absolutely believe jacoby could lead them uh to anything that the andrew could have just because the way this team's built is so strong at every position there's not any spot on the team where you look at that and go man that's just a glaring weakness there's just there just isn't one right and you know, let me let me ask you this, uh, Chris. Take take the the, uh, the Brissett and Luck and Frank Reich out of the conversation now. What's the one thing that you, as a fan, are looking at this Colts team and are most happy with? Uh, probably the improvement to the run game. That yeah. O line and Marlon Mack back there—they're just doing an amazing job. Mm-hmm. And does it does it does it give you um, any you apprehension know, aside, at all aside from the performance this weekend? Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Does it give you any apprehension at all with the fact that they didn't have a good game this past Sunday in the running game? 
No, because Frank Reich, week in and week out, has, well, I mean, not every week, but he's found ways to win regardless of the team that he's playing. And he's doing it in different ways every week. And, you know, that Chargers loss at the beginning of the season, that hurt so bad, just knowing that that really, uh, that fu- you know, a huge fault of that falls on Vinny. Mm-hmm. You know, he makes those kicks, that's a win right there. Yeah, that's true. And we're sitting at, you know, five and two or whatever it is right now. Mm-hmm. Five and one or, you know, I mean, you can make a case for the Colts beating the Chargers. You can definitely make a, Col- uh, a case for the Colts beating the Raiders. So, I mean, to say that the Colts would be undefeated right now would just kind of blow people's minds, I think. But they had legitimate opportunities to be to win both of those games. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, going back to what you said earlier about Jacoby, um, I don't think he gets enough credit, to be honest. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking on – on Twitter and stuff. And there's people here and there saying, Whoa, imagine what this team could be like if Andrew Luck was back. And you know, that it, it makes me think twice because watching him, you know, back since 2012, there were plenty of times where he just made these, and you know, he would, he would always say it was a boneheaded play. And that happened a lot, Yeah, you know, where he would just, the first throw out of the gate onto the first drive, he throws a pick six or something crazy like that. And I'm like, I don't see that from Jacoby Brissett. You know, you don't see these amazing, like, elite-level plays at the same time, but he's done great. And um, Yeah, the ball security you know, is clearly a, a priority with Jacoby. Right, absolutely. Um, you know, he I wouldn't say that he's, like, a game manager or anything, like Alex Smith. Um, I'd say he definitely has more talent than Alex Smith did in his heyday. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think Jacoby Brissett's getting enough credit, especially from you know um, the major media outlets and stuff. Yeah. I, now, see, now, see, I actually think he, he. I think Alex Smith is actually a really good comparison in terms of talent level because Alex Smith was a guy that when the Chiefs paired him with a lot of talent, he looked really good. Um, and, and I think that that I don't know this, but I would guess based on what we saw in 2017 and what we see now that Jacoby Brissett is the kind of guy who is going to be really good when he's surrounded by really good talent and is going to struggle to lift the team if he's surrounded by a bunch of nobodies. And so I almost think he's a good comparison because I think Alex Smith sometimes gets a bad rap for not being as talented as he actually is. He's just not the guy who's going to lift a team like like an Andrew Luck or like an Aaron Rodgers, somebody like that who is just on another level, or Deshaun Watson for that matter, that can just kind of you know pull the team along that has no business being there. Um that's not Jacoby Brissett, but that doesn't need to be him because he's got a really good GM who's building a great team around him, and he doesn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. I agree, man. That, right. So many things that Ballard has done in the way of this, you know, and and you occasionally see the person that with that wants to draw dissension and 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 speak negatively on Chris Ballard just to be different. I think, and and they don't. I don't know that they. I I think I want to say that it's probably just uh, ignorance, and I hope that it's not willful ignorance because. Chris Ballard has put this team together. He's got all the trust in the world in Frank Reich. Frank Reich has all the trust in the world in his team. And that connection between, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, low level to mid level to high level, that is about as smooth as it gets for uh, an NFL franchise, I think. Yeah, I've been very, very impressed with what Chris, Chris Ballard has done with this franchise. Um, it's almost like there's this measure of hope that wasn't there before under Grigson. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know it's it's 
difficult to, to look back and, and think about all the picks that have come and gone through Indy. And, you know, I was sitting next to a guy uh, watching the game at a, at a bar the other day. He said he's Anthony Costanzo's cousin, of all things. <laughs> it's like second cousin or something. I'm like, well, really? And, he, you know, he pulls up pictures of him at a wedding or something. Uh, anyways, um, you know, and I was just thinking, Costanzo's, I think he, if I'm not incorrect, he's been there longer than any other active cult. Yeah, um, I think that's right. Than, I think maybe Vinny. Yeah, because he was, he was drafted in, what, 2011? 20, yep. Is that right, 2011? I, yeah. yeah, I believe so. Okay, yeah. Hey, Chris, thank you for your call, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for taking it. I appreciate you guys so much.